good afternoon, everybody. It's Chris here from the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mira, Alberta. I'm not in Mira, Alberta, still. Uh, I am in uh, my friend Jasper's place here in, oh my goodness, I'm going to try it. Hoofendorp? Hoofendorp. Hoofendorp? Oh my goodness. Dutch is a very interesting language. They use all the letters of the alphabet in every single word and make it almost impossible for English people to read it, but I'm doing the best I can. Um, so Jasper and I, we were going to do a live a little earlier today and I thought maybe I'll wait until 2 in the morning here because uh, we're 8 hours ahead of you. So that's why we're on at a reasonable time. Uh, but we spent most of the day just hanging out and talking about things that are going on. Um, a lot of those conversations, I almost wish we had recorded it because we start talking and I mean it's, it's, it's good conversations and they're conversations that need to happen. So. We're going to do our best to kind of have those or that same conversation here with you folks. And I would appreciate if you uh, have any comments or whatever, pop them up on the screen. I'll do my best to answer them or Jasper will answer if he can. And uh, we'll just try and kind of fill you in as to what we've been doing here, why we're doing it and, and that sort of thing. So uh, first off, I want to say thanks to Jasper for making me a delicious supper. Jasper is a, uh, uh, what's the, what are you saying? How do you say it in Dutch? I'm not a master chef, but a... Meestercook. Meestercook. No, I'm not a Meestercook. I, I, I'm a, I think, I like to think of me as a high-end chef. Yeah, well, I would, I would definitely agree. So it's pretty neat to be able to uh, chat with you about food stuff in my restaurant and, and things you hear too. But that's not the point of me being here. Uh, although it seems like everywhere I go, it always comes down to food as you've learned everywhere we go i want to go and eat something so this is feel fuel for the stomach and the brains it is and it's something that we we no matter where you live you can share some food with somebody and have some conversations and oftentimes you end up changing the world which maybe was a problem during covid when we couldn't break bread together anymore but that's another conversation so um what jasper and i were talking about today was some of the things that have been going on in the netherlands and how they kind of tie into each other. Now, it's entirely possible that you'll you think I'm crazy and I'm a conspiracy theorist. And you know, four, three, four years ago, I probably would have heard some of the things that I'm talking about these days, and I would have thought, yeah, that guy's crazy. But same thing here. Same thing with you. Same thing. If I, if sometimes I hear myself talking and I know I'm I'm actually right, but if I, if I'm going way back, for example, four years. And somebody would say that to me that that he must be crazy. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm speaking, what's happening here? Oh my God! What is happening? It's 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 it is actually crazy, but it is happening. That's actually a pretty good place to start. You were describing how um, in the beginning of all this, you attended one of the first protests. Yeah. With 30 people, because that's all that you were allowed to have. Yeah. And COVID measures. COVID measure protests. Yep. And you saw with your own eyes, so do you want to kind of maybe just share what we talked about there? Yeah, of course. The, 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 the first actually COVID demonstration or the measurements demonstration, demonstration against the measurements and you had to have one and a half meters separately or the six foot in American talk. Uh, I, I was actually, I, I was happy that it uh, came because this was the first uprising against something where 
against our throat being uh, by our government. And finally people will rise up and had a protest and only 30 people were allowed. And I know the stories on the background that you hear from, um, from China, for example. Like riot police is coming in and the Hong Kong protester that was dead at uh, half a year or a year before that. Mm -hmm. And the riot police came in and they smacked people against the ground, vehicles driving over. That was the, the, the state of mind what I had from communistic countries. And uh, when I joined that protest, as a journalist, I want to see what's going on and meet up the protest leaders and the people who were standing up. And after like an hour, the riot police came in and it happened in front of my nose. Like people were smacked in the face with sticks, uh, brutal police violence that it happened. And then you see it happening in front of you. And then things are starting to clear up and then we're supposed to be this democratic, tolerant country. And then the real picture is happening in front of your nose. And uh, yeah, that was one of the points that I was having like, okay, this is, this is, this is happening here. And I talked to my colleagues from, from, from the platform that I'm working for. So it is actually happening. It, I saw it with my own eyes. So it's not fake, it's not conspiracy, it, it does happen. And I wish I, I, wish I did, didn't, because it's painful, it's, hard, it's harmful um, that, that it is happening. But if, if you're not speaking, I'm there as a journalist, and that's my job to make, let, inform people. And I think uh, that's what we did. And eventually the protest becoming bigger, the... Uh, riding police was bigger than how the pronouncement of the mainstream media was saying these people are crazy whoppies. Uh Fringe minority with unacceptable views. Yeah. Hugging each other instead of being afraid alone in home. So and it's become, the protest becoming bigger and it's from 30 people up to 100 people up to 10, 20,000 persons. Uh, coming together, and, and then the government had to yeah, throw in all nasty words, um, and, the, and, and the violence from the police became harder. In the end of the story, we saw horses trumbling people, tear grenades sh shot at people, dogs thrown into people, biting them. Now all the, all the, all the water, I don't sure what's the English word. Cannon. Water cannons shot at people and they can, can up, go up to 50 bars per shot. So, uh, for example, a champagne bottle is uh, it's, uh, maximum five bars. So if you're uh, uh, um, getting horses in, uh, tear gas grenades, uh, uh, Sirens of police vehicle, technical lights. But at least they didn't shoot anybody. They did. They actually did shoot that protest. With bullets. Real bullets. People got shot. In Rotterdam, there's, uh, there were, there was this, uh, we call it freedom protest. 
Uh, but the, we've got uh, four cities in the Netherlands. We've got from some sort of in, uh, uh, immigrants are already for the third generation, but there are some problems in that area. So, for example, in Rotterdam, in Den Haag, in Utrecht, and in uh, Den Bosch, there are, are parts of the city who has yeah, a lot of foreigners come in and they're making a lot of problems or they don't want to adapt to the Dutch society. And they're... Uh, 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 came in joining the freedom protest and uh, uh, for example in Rotterdam the police shot if I'm doing it from the uh, from a shot over 45 real bullets and five people got shot jeez it happened wow well we haven't seen anyone get shot in Canada yet that I know of but uh, we've seen people get trampled with horses we've seen uh uh, people get shot with tear gas. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, a young lady that I became kind of friends with, uh, she works for Rebel News, and she was shot in the leg, like point blank with a with a tear gas grenade. Um, yeah, we saw people getting beat with the butts of the rifles right on the yeah. ground, and and these are things like you say, we wish we didn't see them, but we did see them. Yeah, and now we can't unsee them. And so we know that there's something seriously wrong, and it's not anything to do with health. I mean, by now, we know that. So, yeah, it's uh, it's difficult because we know we got to talk about it and and try and do something to fix it. But at the same time, there's people who actually they would like to see us shot because they don't agree with what we're saying. They think we're crazy and we're just making trouble for no reason, right? I guess people uh, all around the world, or the Netherlands, or in Canada, they have, they may have every opinion. They're they're entitled to an opinion, even if I'm not, if it's not what I'm thinking they're supposed to be. But that's their right. But leave them, as well as I want to be left alone with my opinions and live my life. They're supposed to do that the same thing. And they're forcing us, freedom thinkers or free living people, to have the same thought. And that's not how I was raised up. We're not supposed to live like that. We're supposed to be living in free countries. Live in that where we, Yeah, we have self-determination. And as long as we're not actually harming other people, we should be left alone. And that's kind of where I drew the line when I, uh, you know, when I did what I did in opening my restaurant. So, um, I guess the biggest thing that I've found being here is that this is definitely not about just farmers. It's not about the farms. It's not about dairy farms. It's not about the vegetable growers. It's not about the mass. It's not about any of that stuff. There's something bigger. And um, I know you don't particularly like talking about it, but there you mentioned that something happened a few years ago in this country that kind of kicked off um, almost a, like a toppling of the government, mm -hmm. right? The government put in some policies that were terrible they did some things that they said were for the benefit of everybody and it harmed people. And to this day, um, I've still, like, I've been hearing stories from people about what happened here. So do you want to no. maybe just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's not my topic. And, and I, uh, because I think the other journalists are supposed to do that. I, and um, my time is, I, I can spend my time better, but I think it's necessary to talk about it. In the Netherlands, you've got this, uh, came out uh, from the Second World War, 
where a lot of people were killed and a lot of citizens were not. Yeah, we had to reproduce the nation. And the uh, incentive of the Dutch government was you're getting a child support. And that child support is, uh, I'm not sure, uh, let's say 150 euros a month. We had the same thing in Canada. So in Canada, it was called the baby bonus, and it's something the government did to encourage families to have more children and, and build our country up. Yeah, and that's, that's based on your uh, year salary income. And every child, you're getting an extra bonus. So how more child you're producing, how more you're getting funded by the government. And of course, with uh, the digital things in mind, uh, what's happening nowadays, you're supposed to do your taxes and you're getting this child support based on your income and salary. But it's just like if you're, if you're putting your taxes and you're just... or on purpose or not on purpose, filled in the wrong form. That were that's the starting point of things were happening. Um, uh, um, uh, for example, when you filled in the wrong form and you know, the government paid you way too much, uh, and they found that at that period they found out. Oh, maybe we paid. Uh, uh, families way too much uh, child support um, uh, and let's find out and they've been labeled as a criminal and so just before you continue I want to point something out this isn't like in Canada so I talked to another fellow here and he was he was basically the victim of some fraud within a company that he tried to build his partners defrauded him um, and it was it was terrible the banks got involved and they actually took everything this guy owns. They took his cars, his house, the pots and pans in his house, everything. And this is without court, without anything. So they can just come in and say, we're taking everything because you owe us money. So this is, this is totally different than what they do in Canada, although there are some similarities. So I just want to point that out for you. Correct. Now, and, and, uh, and the forms, for example, that's the simple explanation. The forms, they fill, fill, filled in wrongly. And then they've been labeled as a, uh, uh, how do you call it? Criminal. As a criminal. And then all the child support from the last year, of the last couple of years, which you have been filled in wrong, you had to pay back at once. And it could be like 30,000, 40,000 euros. And when you need that child support, you can't pay it back. You don't have it on your bank account. And then... Um, uh, the bank came in, or the, the uh, guys who were working for a bank or collecting money, collect money collectors, uh, knock on the door and say, listen up, you need to pay 30,000 euros, and if you're not, then you're probably doing something wrong, you can't support your child, and uh, uh, um, child protecting services yeah. came in and took the uh, minors out of the home, they've been placed out of home. And this isn't uh, an isolated incident. We're not talking about one person who had their children taken away by the government. We're talking, I think the number is that I've heard is like up to 2,500 children or something like that. 2,090 is now the count score on it, but that's just the top of the iceberg. There are, um, in Holland, we have this thing, everything what you're uh, um, uh, really shy at um, loans. Uh, we don't like to talk about financial problems. So that's just the top of the iceberg. And what well, the government had to find out by themselves. 
so there are 2,090 childs being placed out of placed out of homes somewhere in the Netherlands they're supposed to be living, and then they've got these mm -hmm. rules and regulations. When uh, depends on how old the child is. I believe it's from 14 years. That's why it's not my subject. But I believe for starting at 14 months and it's been placed out of home one and a half, two years, the uh, father, the parents, are not titled to get them back anymore because they're grown in a different family. So they, and they're probably mislabeled. That's the simplest part. And of course, you've got bad parents as well. But the simple part is you can't pay your bills. The uh, Child Protective Service think you're not able to maintain your children. They place them out of the home. Eventually, they've been la wrongly labeled as, as a criminal. And it's all over two years or one and a half years now. And you can't get the children back. And the government has tumbled, tumbled about it. So what happened was this, of course, caused some huge, huge problems here in the Netherlands. And the people were, like, screaming at the government. And it resulted in the government, basically, I think everybody had to resign. Yeah, they did. Like this, this is you can find this in the news. This was a huge scandal here. The government pretty much had to resign over this. And the name of the cabinet was Rutte III. And now the same guy with the same people are being democratically chosen and called the parliament is called Rutte IV majority. So they had to resign, Four. and now they're back. The same people, same parties. Now there's something interesting you mentioned when they were forced to resign. And actually, before I get on to that, I'm just going to mention this quickly because I think I should, but I'm, I don't want to talk about it. Um, there's a lot of issues going on with these kids that were placed in foster homes. No different than what's going on in Canada. Um, you can imagine the kind of stories that are coming out about what happens to children when they're taken out of their homes and go to live with strangers. It's not pretty. It's horrible. Um, I don't even want to think about it. And... Uh, but it does happen, and it's happening in Canada as well, so probably something we should all be paying attention to. The safest way is to have a family with, and it doesn't matter if you're maybe not that great of a parent or you can't afford the most expensive jeans to wear them to school or whatever. Uh, the most safest place to have your children grown up is with that family. And if the family has been placed out of it, there's always a mental thing coming out of it. And that's at least of the problems. So, yeah, to say the least, this has been absolutely devastating for families here in the Netherlands. Uh, thousands of families, thousands of children. It's not resolved. There's still people that... I, I saw a lady protesting today because she had her children taken away for... It wasn't a fault of her own. It was an error that the government made. She lost her children and, uh, yeah, it's not resolved. Anyway, so because that government was toppled... Um, they had to maintain their positions to continue running the country. Correct. Right? So this was an important thing to do. It's administration, regulation, whatever. So they had to stay. What happened while they were staying, but not under oath in the government? They forced the government measurements and uh, all of uh, all their uh, uh, new rules and regulations and laws they put in place. Placement. So that's how they uh, could lock people up at their home. Lockdowns. Curfews, forced uh, shots. So the the democratic right. process didn't allow for that to happen before. It was right. hard. There was no majority in, in, in the parliament. 
or maybe maybe not but if if the government isn't sure they're not pushing it through but once they were once they were out of their positions and just kind of dangling on had the extra power they could just push these things through and they did and they did and people protested yeah they don't care call them names just continue isn't that interesting how when our governments in democratic countries don't want to listen to us um, they call us names. They say we're crazy. They say that we're rebels and scoff laws and we're not thinking of each other and, and we're not considering the greater good or we're a small fringe minority or we're a, a, a voppy. Coke-sniffing people. That's the proud, uh, how uh, the prime, prime minister called us. Coke-sniffing people. Race of coke-sniffing people. Wow. We, we were just called unacceptable. <laughs> That's that's for me for that's acceptable. <laughs> you can call me that. I don't mind. Actually, you know what? We were called more things. Um, uh, what the heck did he say? Our prime minister. You, you know who our prime minister is? What do you think of him? Who is he? Justin Trudeau. Oh, he's yeah. Uh, a really smooth girl. <laughs> that's what I think of him. He's a uh, he's a crybaby. He's not a not a nice guy. Maybe he is to his family. Maybe, but not to the fellow countrymen. I mean, exactly what I understand and I saw from from the pictures came back from Canada is he was dividing the country instead of making sure everybody came together. He was saying he was talking about how we're all in this together, and then he was he was saying but, things like, "Well, how long should we tolerate these people?" Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's but that's the double speech. That's the double speech that they love to use. Propaganda style double speech. Propaganda. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you before, but and I don't know if you folks know this, but during the pandemic, uh, the Canadian government actually they uh, put in a new a ministry, I guess we call it, and it was a propaganda arm of the government. It was the Canadian Behavioral Sciences Department, and their whole goal was to manipulate the media in order to nudge people to do what the government wanted them to do. Yeah. And this, it's happened here. It sounds nice. It's happened to the East. I mean, in the 40s or 30s, it happened to the East. The government nudged people into calling the Gestapo on their neighbors. Interfering on social media accounts. Mm -hmm. They did as well. Yeah, we've seen in the leaked, uh, not even leaked, I mean, Elon, that's his colleagues. he's the CEO, he released the information showing how the Twitter twits were manipulating Twitter to, to spin a narrative. That's now, that's now, but we, in Holland we have the same bureau since 2018, 2019, then already started at that time. Behavioral sciences. Yeah. Propaganda. The Ministry of Truth, I call it. It is, it is. It's, it's George Orwell 1984. And it looks like the, it, that's their playbook. So, so far, some of the things that we've said probably sound pretty nutty. And there's a lot of people out there, I'm sure they're just hammering on their keyboard, telling me we never lost our rights. But we've just pointed out some very scary correlations to things that have happened in the past that resulted in devastation. Uh, these, aren't, these aren't just Canada issues or Netherlands issues or uh, Britain issues. These are, the stuff is happening in almost every country in the world. And 
I would have to ask if this was about health or it was about climate or something like that, wouldn't you expect that each region with different regional needs would have a little bit of a different approach? But there isn't. It's the same thing. Push it on the people, guilt them into doing it, shame them for not uh, following blindly and, and just doing what we say, and then enforce, 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 and then back off and apologize and ask for amnesty. It's the same stuff's happening here. Now, now we, uh, we've been... It's like a pressure cooker. And in, in the last three years, almost three years, uh, when uh, uh, the Dutch citizen came into, uh, came in, okay, listen up, this isn't correct, they're just putting some air out of the pressure cooker, simmer it for a couple of weeks, close it up, same rules under a different name or different words, but the mention is the same thing, and let it boil and pressure cooking it. And then, the, and then the ones that try and climb out, you just poke them back in as they pop up. Smear them, blame them, put them against court system, yeah. find them, take all the money out of them. I'm back in court on January 16th. It's still not over. Although my friend Art, Archer Pulowski, you know who that is, um, he just won another one of his challenges, which I'm really uh, I'm happy about. I was really glad to see that. So congrats to Art if you're watching. Um so these, these things that have been happening are all, every single one of them are the result of bad government policy that we have allowed to happen. We allowed it to happen because we're too busy thinking about ourselves, um, our own little bubble, our own little life. We say things like, oh, well, we don't want to talk about politics or be involved in politics, or we don't want to talk about religion because it's rude to talk about religion and politics. We don't have these conversations, and all of a sudden we're in a situation where we're in this pot of boiling water, and it's getting fucking hot in here. Like, it, yeah. the pressure cooker is... <laughs> we're almost cooked. Simmered. And it's, it really is our own fault, because we didn't pay attention to get involved. Because we live in democracies, and we don't have to allow these things to happen, but we do. It's not, it's not, like, it's not like it happened during COVID, or with the start of COVID. Where, um, and as I'm putting it back on, on how I look at it last 10 years, last 20 years, like we were, and it sounds a bit fake, or we were sleeping, or we thought we put in the people in the government, they should take care of it. They'll save us. They will save us, they, they will pay them royal amount of money, they make loads of money, so of course they should do something great for us. Protect us, make 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 everything better and greater, um, and we didn't pay attention. And every law, every change in the law system and behavioral systems or whatever, it's just a small change, and that's what happened uh, that they could put put place in the, the COVID measures. And then eventually the government can tell you you can't go to church, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to your parents' These house. These are easy places. These are places where you have to spend your money, but public places as well. A, a, a park or a forest, you couldn't come in. in they locked it. In Calgary, the police were putting sand and gravel on skating rinks. So children couldn't go outside and play. I just got a, in my Facebook memories. They fenced it in here. Yeah, a video popped up where the police arrested a young kid, young boy, now to be fair, he was not complying, he was ice skating, and the police were like, come here, we're taking you, whatever, right? and he's like, no, I'm ice skating, I'm not doing anything wrong, he tried to stand up for himself, 
they put him on the ground, put their knee in his back, put him in handcuffs, kid 16 years old, threw him in jail. And this went viral. And this wasn't the only thing. Like the, the pictures of sand and gravel on outside playing surfaces where kids would go to have fun, healthy fun, instead of going and doing things they're not supposed to, outside where there was never Fresh any, any problem with any kind of disease outside, and that was proven. Um, they put bars on basketball nets so the children couldn't play basketball in the summer. And they had them locked up in their homes, wouldn't let them do anything. And then they're wondering, well, why why are our kids messed up? Why are kids killing themselves? Right? They're, they're locked up for two years. They couldn't go to school. They couldn't go to meeting up with friends. Everything's supposed to be online, locked up in a, in a room. But if I'm looking, if I'm, I, 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 and I'm taking it back, when I was that age, for example, 14, 16, 18, 19, I was going out with friends, hanging with friends, and that's how uh, my uh, network of people and still rely on them. For if, if I'm having a problem, I want to talk to somebody, there are still friends from way past that I can call and make, I listen up, I have a problem, can I, can I listen, listen to me uh, for a second? And uh, uh, or being drinking in a bar and hanging and end up in a ditch somewhere and having fun. That's that's what they're all missing out. How should they grow up? Grow up and build their structural life when they're having a family or having a problem, standing somewhere with a car with a flat tire and don't know what to do. And these uh, these things weren't considered. We were protesting on those grounds during this time, and it took months before our chief medical officer of health and our government actually acknowledged, like, hey, we have, you know, we're, we're harming the mental health of the people here, and we need, we're, mental health is important. Then they started saying the same things that we were saying months before, but they were telling us we were crazy, don't worry, you know, you're fine, you're fine, what rights have you lost? And they're it, still there, but not at the moment. What, what do you care? Yeah, don't worry. We'll give them back when we say it's okay. Yeah, but but then you the I I think freedom people who has a, a free mind uh, that's a total opposite or people who love power. And when you love power or work well on power, there's no that has nothing to do with money. But the people have the, those type of persons have enough money. They can do whatever they want. They don't have to think about buying a Ferrari. They just pay it. It's just, it's just a toy. So the other side is power. And, and when, when you're getting off on power, it's a whole different type of person. That's, that has nothing to do with on the other side of freedom people. And when you're having power, you're getting off of saying something to a different person and he actually does it. That's their joy. And that we can't, I, at least for, and when I'm speaking, I can't imagine that. How you, that you want to live that way. We saw some pe people throughout this uh, shit show get some power that they would have never had. These people will never be successful enough to buy a Ferrari. They'll never be, they're completely insignificant. I hate to say it, but it's true. They're stupid um, properly. They, they brain doesn't work properly. Well, maybe, maybe even not quite that, but just they'll never be uh, some sort of a super world-changing significant person. But all of a the sudden, they were given this authority over other people. Yeah. 
and they could they could think that they were better than other people because they wore an extra mask, or they taped their masks to their faces, and or they the camera. put mm-hmm. masks on their pets, or maybe they euthanized their pets because the WHO told them to do so. Eat them. Eat them. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they, uh, you know, they they got extra jabs and they they never left their house and and they did all of these things and it made them feel like they're better than somebody else because they were following all of these rules that were never justified in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they were given this fake authority. And then now we have people like, you know, you've seen them on my page and they're, you know, they, they hate me for speaking out and I really don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't. No, I, I, they're I, never going to be my friends. No, Same they're not. Me. They're not. And I, I will say this. While I don't really care what they say, mm-hmm. um, whether they like it or not, people like you, people like me, people like probably most of the people that are watching are doing the things we're doing because we know that everybody is in the same pot and we're all boiling together. And I don't want it to get any worse because look what we've allowed to happen in, even in my adult lifetime, my voting lifetime, where I had a responsibility to exercise my democratic rights and be involved and change things for the better. We allowed this to happen and get to this point. Yeah. Now, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to let it go further? Are we going to continue to... Um, right now, in Holland, you guys are on the cusp of losing farms. Yeah. 3,000 farms are at risk in Holland because the government uh, is putting policies in that, place. It, that's, that's just a number. That could be more. That's just the number. It's a fairly arbitrary number, I'm sure. It, and maybe it could be 50% of the farms. Maybe. Well, I did at read... Least, at least 3,000... Heavy polluters, as in carbon emissioners. Yeah, so that, that's a thing. They've, they've defined clean uh, as anything that doesn't emit carbon dioxide. And that's, that, that's the only definition now. Yeah, but then then they've got favored and unfavored. And a farmer is an unfavored carbon emission, but steel production, oil production... Or uh, 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 the airport, which is government-owned. Well, which is weird, because airplanes are the single highest emitter on the planet. More than all the cars, more than everything else, it's airplanes. But we can't stop the airplanes because our politicians have to fly to Davos and and all these places to have the meetings. It's a really hypocritical point of view. But they had that it's 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 when you're giving a half finger, they're taking your hand, and they have to start somewhere. Putting measures in place, you have to start somewhere. So, so the European Union, as far as I am, have read, uh, said that the Netherlands needs to reduce agriculture by seventy to eighty percent. No. That's the weird, weird part. The European Union wants carbon emission to be lowered, and they have some sort of rules and regulation. But it's for the, every country is the same. It doesn't matter if it's Germany, Spain, Austria. This is everybody. Everybody in Europe needs to be. But the darts, place it bad. We want to be in front of the line. We want to give an example. At least the government is saying this. So um, they're putting it extra on top of it or pushing it further or higher and that's why we're having the most harsh harsh uh, uh, rules and regulations about it if you're going across the border and you're going and end up in germany the the emission laws are exactly the same by the european but in in their territory it's 400 times less than in 
Holland. I think a lot of the numbers that the government's using are, are they're not justified as well, because I did an interview with a farmer in Friesland uh, a couple days ago, and they mentioned that the government has put out basically a map of the Netherlands, and it says this area needs to reduce by this much, this area needs to reduce by this much. Those islands that you were telling me off the north coast of Friesland, yeah. one of them it says 95%, yeah. but there's no farms there. Yeah. There's nothing going on. How do you want to reduce 95% of the farms when there aren't? The European Union came first, and we had to wait back, and it's a bit technical, but they came in, and there's everything in Holland has been made. Our every nature has been made. There was nothing nature. There was no forest. There was nothing. Everything that was created by the Dutch over centuries. It was a swamp, like literally a swamp. Correct. So every nature, what we have. We have planted it, or man maintaining the, the the national plants and been growing that. And the, the European Union came in and said, oh, listen up, just point some nature spots. And the Dutch were saying, oh, we, the, the, the European Union wants that, and let's put everything, what let uh, uh, like a green area, where probably we're 10, Trees are growing with a bit of grass around it or something and some sort of special species. That's because this has been labeled as a, as, as, as a green spot. And there were over 400, I guess, uh, on top of my mind, there are over 400 places selected in the Netherlands. And it could be like 100 square meters up to thousands of square meters somewhere. But next to it, of course, there's a city, and farms, and highways, and then they're just saying, okay, this farm is close to that nature spot, so it needs to go. So it's just as simple. So I heard from one of the farmers that uh, this actually started a few years ago. Mm -hmm. The government started buying up uh, farmland that maybe wasn't as productive as it was in the past. And they kind of gave farmers an easy way out, like, hey, you know, your farm's not doing good, we'll just buy it from you. But, oh, but, but there was a condition on that. Yeah. And I, this really blew my mind. The condition was, is, was and is, if you are a farmer and you sell your land to the government and you stop farming, you are never allowed to farm in the Netherlands again for as long as you live. They won't tell you that on the mainstream media, but that's probably in the contract. It is, yeah. It absolutely is. So go out to Ukraine because a lot of that's what happened a couple of years ago. They they went out and buy massive um, uh, farmlands in Ukraine. But look at what's happening now. But if you we're going way back, we send up people to Canada. Farms. There were two, uh, at seven thousand, seven million people in the Netherlands, and uh, the Queen sent people to Canada and to New Zealand. Here are six thousand guilders. Bring your ass over there. Too many people here. Too, that, and that was 7 million people, and now we're going up to 18 million. Hmm. Action, reaction. So, dairy farmers are at risk because they, it's, it's not going to be feasible for them to continue with the modifications they want them to do. And actually, some of them, that's not true. Some of them it may be. But uh, people like you have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. The government is subsidizing some of these things that the farmers will need to do to uh, be green, clean farms. That's what they're saying, but what's, what's, how many subsidies do you get? If, if you're having a farm, 
and the government says, okay, listen, this, you've, uh, you have maintained all the rules and regulations and you have a green area where you can f grow flowers, where the bees are coming and, and then you can grow crops, for example, or, or put your livestock in it. Um, I'm not sure what I wanted to say. The, um, uh, uh, it's never enough. So what now, and even when it's from an old-fashioned regular uh, farm to a biologically growing crop farm, and that's still not enough. It's, that, that's true, because the dairy farmers are telling me that they just upgraded their floors in their barns a few years ago. So what's, what's, what's the aim? And the only aim, I guess, is to get a new bank loan to remodel your shed where your cows or pigs are standing, putting air filters in it, and there's a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand euro new loan, which you're getting at the bank. So, and then the bank is hostile, hostage, it's not the right word, but you have an obligation to your bank to pay that money back. And if if the government is saying, okay, listen up, you have to change your uh, farm, and the bank thinks, okay, listen up, this farmer needs a bank loan, but maybe he can't pay it back, or we think he can't pay it back, so we don't give it to him. Then he's, and he's and still... They, they have to bail out. So, yeah. And a bailout sounds really nice and beautiful, but I was, for example, uh, in the mainstream media, they're saying, okay, listen, every square meter, like three foot by three foot, you're getting paid farmland grown. It's like you're getting somewhere, but it depends on your location in Holland, somewhere between the 40 and the 60 euros per square meter. But the cost will come off for people between it, for the transaction, and eventually it will stop and uh, actually what they have over after taxes is like four euros a square meter. And they say, yeah, but that's fair. Sounds fair. I mean, but it isn't. But totally they, fine, sh right? they should be getting four, at least 40 euros and they're getting four euros. This is, yeah, but this is the ground worth. None of it's up and running and they're selling to a different farm. Yeah, but they don't have much choice. And this isn't just dairy farmers. Uh, it's the same thing with uh, I talked to a vegetable grower, one of the biggest ones in the Netherlands, and the government now says that they can only grow their vegetables from, I think, April to October 1st. But the growing season is April to almost the end of November. So they're cutting the growing season of vegetables back by 20%. And they're like, wait a minute. First of all, why are you not, um, why is this a one-size-fits-all for every vegetable, everything we're growing? And second of all, how do you expect us to continue when you're taking away 20% of our growing time, which translates into... Lesser yield. Lesser yield. Yeah. Right? You, now you need more land to grow the same amount of food. Yeah. Or you don't eat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And though it's the same thing with those farms. The government has said, uh, if you can't make it work, don't worry. We're, we're, we have you. We're all in this together. We'll buy your farm. And 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 they're saying you're getting the, uh, uh, the amount of money that your farm and your ground and the whole thing is cost but it's always less so on the end of the story and you talk to a farmer 
who's, who had that already because there are a lot of habits for 10, 20, 50 years as well as uh, there are, uh, and when there were farmers and you spoke, speak to them, what already happened, then they were saying, I feel screwed over by the government. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the money I was supposed to get. I heard another interesting side to this. So people still need to eat. So there's still going to have to be some farms. Um, and somebody mentioned that it's a possibility that there may be some corporate interests that want to have some government subsidized big corporate farms to do all of the farming in the Netherlands. And I don't, that's, that's Bill as Gates. Much as, Bill Gates is buying farmlands in the Netherlands. Oh, interesting. He bought a bunch in the, in the United States too. For what? Farming, I guess. Maybe he wants to have a server farm. Who knows? We don't want to sound too conspiracy. Here. No, but it's actually true. It's so it's not conspiracy. He did buy farmland. And it doesn't matter if it's becoming a farm in the Netherlands or it's just gonna be some factory on there, or maybe some ground reserves for later on. But he did, he did buy it. Well, if Bill Gates does something, there's a reason for it. And I'm very interested to see how that works out. So but wait, there's more. So I talked to a sheep farmer today. And some weird thing happened with the sheep farming industry. It, Holland, the Dutch people ejected the wolves from here. Yeah. Because wolves eat sheep, and they're farming sheep, and they didn't want them to kill but them. But people as well. And people, yeah. So they ejected the, the wolves. No more wolves in Holland. No. Uh, similar to what we did in Alberta, we ejected the rats from Alberta because they harm our crops, they harm uh, stored grains, it's bad for the whatever, you know. So we got rid of the rats, they got rid of the wolves. Uh, a, a very big feat, almost, no, not nearly as big as turning a swamp into a country. But anyway, they got rid of the wolves and they've been farming this way for, I think they've been gone for 150 years, somebody said something like that. Now all of a sudden, three years ago, wolves start to arrive in the Netherlands again. Yeah. And what's been happening is these wolves uh, are coming in and they're attacking sheep. The fellow that I talked to today, he lost, I think he said 11, or four, four sheep, and seven lambs in one day. So, I mean, this guy's got these, and he loves his animals, right? So he's got these four or seven lambs in his arms, and they're all shredded up for these wolves. They're not dying. And the, the, the government says, okay, well, if the wolves attack your lambs, you have to call this organization, it's called B12. And they have to come out there, and they have to test your, your sheep or your animals, and then they have to euthanize them, and they have to take samples, and, and then we'll pay you for your lambs. And, and the price for the sheep and the lambs they're giving is from three years ago, but inflation has brought the price up 40%, so that doesn't really cut it. Anyway, the farmer has no options. The government says it's a law in the Netherlands because there's good farmers and believe in good animal husbandry practices. They say the shepherds have to protect their animals by law. They are legally obligated to protect the sheep. So if a wolf comes on their land, they are supposed to protect the sheep from the wolf. Mm -hmm. Shoot it, trap it, move it, whatever you got to do. You can't shoot it. You can't. If you do, you will go to jail because the Dutch government has said these wolves are supposed to be here. We remove protected them. Species. They're protected species. We have to allow them back in. And the farmers are saying, okay, well, we need to figure out how we're going to do this. The government says, well, build a big fence. Now, I don't know if you guys know what kind of a fence you have to build to keep wolves out. And these wolves are like the things out of fairy tales. These are not nice cuddly little dogs like these are like 200 wow. pound animals that can jump a six foot fence so they got to build these huge fences the, the guy that i talked to today had 
25 quarter sections of land that he put his sheep on. And they want him to fence all of it. And they'll subsidize, I think it's like $100,000 per, per quarter. But it's never much. Never much. So it's you not have enough. to put in money for your own. And who says that the six foot wall, maybe if there's a tree standing next to it, the wolf will climb in. And well, jump. it doesn't. It doesn't work because he has a sheepdog. And the sheepdog jumps over his neighbor's fence. Yeah. The one that the government and, had. And, and that's a smaller dog than a wolf. Now, here's the really interesting part. The, the farmers kind of say, okay, well, you know, if these are protected species, we've got to manage this somehow because they love animals and they believe in nature and they want them to have a balance. So they've said, well, we want to know if these wolves are a hybrid, which is not protected, or if they are the protected species. Silence. Top secret. Uh, the farmers have got together and said, okay, well, we're going to take these uh, samples and we're going to have them tested at the university to find out what they are. Illegal. Not allowed. Top secret. And then you find out that there's videos floating around out there about people driving into the Netherlands from Poland and dropping off some sort of wolf. And it, I, I, I don't, I mean, it, I don't have any evidence of that. And maybe it's completely that, but, but out there. They migrated from Russia, Poland, Germany into the Netherlands. So it's, a, it, it, it's officially it's a migration thing. And their wolves are territorial. So if there's a cup grown and it's been grown up, he needs to move his ass. So that's the way it's coming back. If that's the case though, um, like Alberta, we actually have like a rat patrol. Hmm? If there's somebody finds a rat coming into Alberta, they send all these but, guys and they go and they get them, right? Wolves are protective species, so in here. So you can't shoot them. You're not allowed to. And even we not, don't have guns, so you don't, don't need to buy a hunter for it. But, for example, a hunter can shoot, shoot at a goose, for example, or a deer during hunting season, but not on a wolf. So the wolf coming back into the Netherlands is more important to protect than a farmer and his family and his flock, um, like his family's livelihood, on farms they've been managing for hundreds of years. Yeah. It's more important. The wolf is more important than the human beings now. By the, the thought of the European Union. By the thought of the European Union. Yeah. And this is all to do with the reducing the impact of farming. Yeah, you, you know that phrase, reducing impact, reducing impact? We, you said it's never good enough. It's not good enough to reduce the impact of CO2, not good enough to reduce ammonia, not good enough to reduce nitrates, not good enough to reduce the amount of land we're using for farm. But the impact, the only conclusion I can come to is the impact they want to reduce is human impact. Mm -hmm. Period. Yeah. All these farms, the idea, most of them, is to turn it back to nature. Uh, so be, yeah, the, the, and the other thing next to it is to be self-sufficient. That's what the government hate. Because if you are self-sufficient, you don't need those guys working in politics. You can mention it for yourself. If you have your hand off, please help us, give us money, or please help us, there's a virus coming, or please help us, there's this crisis coming up. Then the government has this extra power. If you're self-sufficient, you don't have to have to ask the government to support them. In a country where people have been self-sufficient and doing their thing and managing nature wisely for so long, it's unbelievable that this is happening. And, but wait, there's more. It's, it's, it, there's so many 
different groups being attacked by government policy in this country, yeah. it's not even funny. Now let's move to the fishermen. Yeah. Do you know yeah. how many how many how many commercial fishing boats have been removed from service and scrapped in the last while? I I know the number because I I'm not sure what the number is, but the, seventy six of ninety of the ninety boats. So can you imagine there only there were only ninety boats for fishing for, out in the North Sea, maybe a bit further. Only ninety, nine and they were supplying fish for the Netherlands and maybe for Belgium and Germany. Seventy-six gone. Yeah. So of the ninety. So what happened there? And they're not they're not cruise liners, huh? They're no. maybe twenty meter they're boats. Family fishing boats. Yeah. And the reason this happened is because of carbon tax for starters. And uh, the other issue that the government talked about and the European Union with the fishing boats was soil erosion, uh, yeah. so ocean sand erosion. Correct. Now, the fishermen who have been fishing for hundreds of years in this country uh, are under attack. However, there is a sand plant in the North Sea that removes millions of tons of sand from the sea every year and uses it for commercial applications. And yet, it's the, it's the fishermen who are under attack. So, but it's, 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 it's as well, it's, it's an attack on the European Union. Because the European Union sounds a bit like every country within the European Union has the same thinking or thought about it. But the dividing in within the European is there. Because some of the topics, for example, the, the, uh, the Dutch fishermen came in and they have several nets. It depends on what kind of fish or, or what you want to catch in the sea. You have, you're using different nets, fishing nets. And some are floating after it, some are scraping uh, the seabeds for the, for the flat fish, for example. Um, uh, uh, but then the French fishermen came in and the, there was this Dutch invention. Uh, and they invented, um, uh, when they wanted to fish on, on, on flat fish, they, you need to scrape or hang your nets close to the sand. To the, to, the, to the bottom. And the Dutch inventors said, okay, let's not, maybe uh, if, if the stirring in the ground is bad, less we're intelligent people, and, um, and they've had this thing, it's called electrifying. So they were putting a, um, uh, in front of the, under the boat, some elect, small electric shock that the flat fish came up, didn't die, because you need fresh fish, didn't die at all, but just got a little shot, so they went up, just from the bottom, and then the fishing nets came in. And, eventually, they had this, they fished for the same uh, tour, uh, they did, they actually had more fish coming in, one and a half point more fish than before the old nets, the electrifying nets. And then the friends, and and it was a new boat, so a new engine in it, running smoother, less pollution, uh, less carbon emission, and the yield was more. And then the first fisherman said to the European, but listen up, this is not fair, this is not fair, you have to ban the electrification. So a lot of fishermen bought a new boat, new engine with the electrification in the Netherlands, and it was uh, democratically chosen within the European um, uh, with, uh, with the starting point of the French, and they're uh, forbidden that type of boat. So it's not 
it's not one attack, there are always attacks from several sides. You think your attacker is coming in front of you and been hit by bad on the other from the other side. And these are these are these are uh, food suppliers that'll never be food suppliers again. When your money is when you work your whole life, you're saving up for and then you buy something nicer and fancy to do your work. And you're saving up couple of years and so and that's how you've grown and and, and make your life better, easier or Having more, when that's all been taken care out of, uh, uh, your potatoes don't bring enough enough money to support the yield that you're supposed to grow on, or the fish that you bring in, or the sheep that you're raising. It doesn't matter if it's if it's less money to, uh, coming in, you have to bring in your own money, and eventually your bank account has been drained, and with no money you can't do business. With money, you can make money. Without money, you're lost. So all these things together, like if you look at the big picture, um, all these things are going to very likely be detrimental to the hauler. And I know that there has to be a balance between how we you know, interact with our environment and use our resources and things, but I, I think the Dutch people do a really, really good job of it. And it's not even that they're saying... Hey, no, we're not doing any of this stuff. They're just saying we need to find a balance so that we can continue our livelihoods. But then, then the globalistic people come in from the government and they're taking half thing and they want to have their hand. So it's never enough. And and the sweetness of the Dutch citizens or the farmers are always saying, "Okay, let's talk about it. Let's make a deal." But the deal, and every time you should make a new deal, you're losing a bit of your own. And it seems like none of our politicians these days are willing to stand up and say, no, this is not in the best interest of humanity. There are. Luckily, there are. But they're, they're not the majority still. So even when there are people standing in politics opposite, listen up, you crazy fools. It's not the majority yet. But if you... Uh, the, the, uh, I'm not sure how it's in Canada. But uh, um, for the last couple of years... There was one party uh, uh, by Geert Wilders. It's now over 10 or 15 years old, that party. That's one of the parties that, listen, we have to have less immigration and maybe we shouldn't do that and that. The opposition party. But later on, uh, Forum for Democracy came in. Uh, BVNL, Wiebre van Hagen, you talked to in the interest of the Netherlands. Uh, BBB, uh, Burgers and Boeren. So Farmers and Citizens Party. And there, uh, uh, there are now, I guess, seven types of parties on, on the nationalistic side where you can choose on them. Every different side. And a Christianity party within the freedom of people um, um, and, and, and everything in between. And some people, and some, uh, uh, but it has to grow and it has to show something. But the media, the mainstream media is not on their side. Big tech is not on their side. We have the same problem in Canada. We have a premier in Alberta who's standing up for Alberta, I think, as best she can. Um, but then I hear about how Alberta is going to be so proud that they're tripling their carbon tax. You know, and we're pursuing net zero, even though the conversation hasn't even been finished about what that means for Alberta. Yeah. Or humanity, for that matter. 
I mean, we're vilifying all of the industries that have contributed to uh, humankind, who've in, the increased the quality of our life, the length of our life, um, the amount of time we can spend developing cures for disease. Sometimes it's, it's ignorance. Eh? Sometimes people, uh, uh, for political parties, it's ignorance. They just maybe don't know it. And it's a favorite topic to speak somewhere in the world. But sometimes, and uh, uh, that's when you look at that the sweet way. But if you look at that the negative way, it could be forced when people are putting that type of placement in it. Now, everything in between. And in politics, some spontaneous is not a politic word. Nothing has, it always be pre-planned. Otherwise, there is no website where you can look things up. There's no promo commercial on the TV on on the big tech big tech platforms. Yeah, that's interesting. Our premier told us that he thought vax passes were illegal, and they would never do that. And he didn't support vax passes. And then, like a month later, a couple months later, we had a vax pass on the website and infrastructure and everything we needed for this vax pass. And I, at the time, I thought, wow. The government can't get anything done fast, but they got this done fast, really fast. But they probably didn't. How can you make a website or a whole uh, web-based platform where you fill in? It's not there in a, in, a, in a week. Everybody has made a normal website with just some plain text on it and some photos. It takes weeks. And if it's and it has to do so, it has to be, for example, online payment. Everything has to be not together. Your bank account, your bank, the transaction provider. How many days will that take? It can't. It can't be. It's just simple and logical. So it thinking. might it might be worth paying attention to the little uh, the little hints that are being told about what's coming next. You know, we, we just heard, I, I can't remember what his name was, but he was at the World Economic Forum, which seems to be at the center of a lot of things these days, and he was talking about how now they're interested in having uh, personal carbon tracking. Yeah. So that... It's fun to... Uh, then you know what your pollution is. How fun is it that, that you're... And that's just the basic software to take it to stuff. Further. Now, if you want to get in really, really into crazy town, about six months ago, one of uh, Schwab's right-hand men was doing a presentation in which he was describing how they have the ability to hack humans and change humans so that they're more subservient. And Harari. Harari, you're referring to? Yeah. Yeah. But he's not, he's, he is a crazy fuck. And he's not the left hand of the right hand. He is just one of the super elites uh, guy been going to. And he is this power-minded person, never being elected. But they always ask him, him, listen up, Harari, what should we do? Because they give him lots of money. He gives him lots of money. And but power. If, money is maybe not the opposite. Power. But if it's being talked about right now, what I'm getting at is if these things are being talked about, they're probably also being planned because what we've seen over the last 10 years didn't just happen overnight. It's been planned. 
yeah. for quite a long time. Yeah. So it's probably important to pay attention and to the cues that we're we're seeing. And, I can tell uh, a Bill Gates patent. Uh-oh. Just have to look it up. Just there's this patent owned by Bill Gates. It's 2020 06 06 06. Just look it up. You see the pattern. Do I want to ask? No, you put just for if you want to go and deep dive, just look at the pattern. Uh, pat- patent. That's that's exactly the same thing when you're referring to. Bill Gates is one of the strongest advocates for carbon capture and storage technology. Mm-hmm. As is, and now this is surprising, a man named Murray Edwards from Alberta. He's the CEO of Canadian Natural Resources Limited, which is a big juggernaut of an oil company. And he's a real advocate for carbon capture and storage. And it's interesting that him and Bill Gates own the patent for the carbon capture and storage technology that the governments are implementing. Even if you leave that part behind, you need a computer to calculate it. Who makes those? Who makes computers? Who who makes the software? Oh, well, software comes from Microsoft. It was or has been owned by Bill Gates. And it's just one of the super elites, and he's not even the highest upgoing level. He's just as a front man who's earning a lot of money. So it probably doesn't mean anything, but one of the world's most rich and powerful people is involved in carbon capture, vaccines, computer software, computer hardware, health, farmland, health, all of the things that are being used to change the world. It's a business. Of course, it's business. For him, it's business. As long as he can make money, he doesn't care. He's a hard businessman. Probably no correlation there. So don't. I mean, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. I don't. Wanna, I don't freak anybody out. <coughs> but he also owns a lot of media or shares in a lot of media. Yeah. Then he's got. You got this fundraising, billion in the Gates Foundation. With this. This. Good thing will have, yeah. And 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 that and part of the donation is going to mainstream media. He's Bill Gates and me and the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation has this program running to educate and teach uh, journalism. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. It, what's the? I wonder what the school's called. Yeah, <laughs> 1984 probably. The University of Truth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it says it's a building. Building it says building 1984. Oh my goodness! <laughs> if the address is 1984, I'm gonna yeah. Anyway, well that's that's kind of all I. I mean, there's there's a lot more to talk about. Way more. But really, I just wanted to get out there that uh, these aren't. These problems are common problems to both our countries. And I, you know, it sucks that Holland is so far ahead on this. Um, but it is, I'm, I'm sure it's coming to Canada. I mean, they're talking about it. If, if, if it's working out in the Netherlands, they know they, they will be working out in different countries. And they're all mingling together. They're all having a sip of champagne at some sort of meeting. So... Friends in arm. arm. How do you call it? Brothers in arms. Brothers in arms. Figuratively. Because they don't have any guns here. Yeah. So, what do we do? 
That me? I don't know. I'm just, I'm a cook. <laughs> just cook. <laughs> That's how I started. <laughs> I'm a chef as well. And I was a restaurant entrepreneur, but I, they, uh, and I was writing articles, but they couldn't let me. I couldn't do my job, so they stole my restaurant. And now I've got some extra time to do some journalism. You know, it's funny, they, they try and hammer people like us and put us into submission, but all they really did was free us up and give us the motivation to actually do something. Extra, um, the way ha how I'm built, how more, uh, I know I'm right, and I know I'm right what I'm doing, because you never, I will never speak up something I'm not able to back up. It's not what our platform is, and it's not how I'm, I, I, sometimes it, it sounds made up, but there are always uh, files and, and plans where I can refer to. So, and otherwise I won't speak about it, because if I don't know it, why should I, I'm not, I'm not crumbling myself, that would be stupid. But, um, um, eventually, uh, yeah, it, I've got way more time now than, and, 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 and it was never planned. Uh, if you're asking me four or five years ago, Jasper, you're going to be a journalist for an alternative news platform. Uh, <laughs> I'm way too busy cooking stuff for my local people. And look what I, where I am now. So one way or another, uh, we're going to find out what's going to happen because we're time traveling right now into the future. And before we know it, it's going to be 2030. And we're either going to look back and say, I wish we did more. Or we're going to look back and say, I'm glad we at least paid attention and didn't uh, you know, focus on labeling each other crazy. Uh, because really, what, what does it hurt to be prepared and, and have the knowledge in order to push back against something as terrible as what we believe is coming? If you know what's coming, you don't have the feeling or you don't... If you know what's coming, you, you shouldn't be afraid because you know what's happening and it should give some stability. It's still bad, but you know what's happening. So you can prepare yourself. And uh, um, uh, when things are stirring, for example, now your Canada is coming in the carbon emission taxes, from a first company probably will fall into the citizens. You know what they're gonna have, and a finger is never enough, they wanna have your hand. And if you know the story about it, and when they're speaking focal points, political wise, then you know, have an answer to stop it or ma not make it that worse that they wanna have it. One of the ways we do that is by being involved, getting involved, quit saying things like, I won't get involved in politics, I don't want to ever be involved in politics, newsflash, every aspect of your life is controlled by politics. Every single thing you do is controlled by politics. Driving your car or... Whether, whether it's good politics or bad politics, or good politicians or bad politicians, so why not be the good ones? Get involved with your municipalities, get involved with your local constituency associations, get involved... And, and support people who want to be the good guys. Send an email. The, for the simple thing is, send an email to the, to the people in your local government. Send an email that you're supporting them. And if you need them, just let, let them speak out and you will be there to support them. The, 
and then there know there some people are backing up so they can speak their mind and their truth in 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 the government send them emails that that that's the, the quickest part you're sitting behind the camera behind behind the computer you just have to look up an email address they're probably somewhere on an official website mm -hmm. and just tell them listen up what you're doing is great stuff i'm supporting you give them the courage they need and one of my True. personal favorites is get involved with organizations outside of politics like the alberta prosperity project i mean we're working to educate albertans as to how we attain prosperity in our province whether it's with a referendum on independence or by fighting back against some of the narratives that we're hearing right now get involved in these groups build their numbers and give our politicians the courage they need to do the right thing right now if a politician stands up and says uh you know what maybe we should put a hold on the whole carbon capture thing they're going to get annihilated because they don't think that the people support it they're doing the things they're doing because they think people support it send them emails and send send the same to say send an email to the opponent, so listen up, it's not what we wanna. You can do that. Yep. Give, give, give people the courage to do the right thing. And the fourth, I, I guess the four things that you can do. You can go out and demonstrate, you can go into politics, you can, uh, uh, and that's the choice what I made. I became a journalist, a free journalist, but if you're able, you're, and, and uh, you don't have to go on the street, but if you're able and you're financially well secured, that's one way how you should help. There are, uh, so there are four things that you can choose of. Go into politics, go and stand on the, uh, uh, if you don't want to do, but give, uh, do demonstration with backs up the free-minded uh, 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 people in politics. Um, uh, be a journalist, find out how things are, sharing things from free journalism. I guess Rebel News is a really major platform of doing great stuff. Share articles somewhere uh, on Facebook, on Twitter or whatever platform you are. Or if you're well, you don't want to do these feeds, feed and you're well financially secured or you can miss like five, five dollars, for example, donate it to a a, a political party or a, 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 a demonstration party they can print out flyers and banners and stuff and that's how you can support as well so you don't have to be on the street it's it, they're all choices that you can make although going to protests can be pretty fun it is actually fun it it's, is, fu yeah. it's fun <laughs> yeah, you meet a lot of good people and you hear a lot of good stories and a lot of horrible stories but it's very motivating to see but this, the, actually it doesn't matter if what color of the skin or what, what religion that you're on or what age you're on, you're find, you will find out that everybody is on that protest has the same mind, same thing in mind. Mm -hmm. And that, I guess that's freedom. That's freedom. Well, I think it's like two in the morning, something like that. It's late. I don't know. Late or early. <laughs> almost it's three. almost three. Good grief. All right. Well, uh, thanks for watching folks. And thanks Jasper for having that conversation with us. Um, there's been a lot of people who have asked when you're coming to Canada, so... Huh? Maybe I will be coming to Canada. Might have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> In the meantime, uh, keep your chins up, and uh, yeah, just do your thing. Thank you for watching, people. Thank you. Oh, before we go, tell them what your platform is and how to find you. Ah, 
you can, uh, 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 I'm not doing it alone, Common Sense is an uh, is, uh, alternative news and opinion platform. If you go to commonsensetv.nl, that's our platform where you find all the news articles and opinion articles from me and my colleagues. If you wanna, I'm, I'm more in front of the camera and I'm doing uh, uh, interviews and, and, and uh, I'm filming demonstrations. If you wanna find out, you can uh, on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube at Jasper CSTV or Jasper, Jasper Common Sense TV. Just put it in, the, in Google and you will find it out. Awesome, right on. All right, well, good night, folks. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, I'll be back again tomorrow and I'll hopefully see you in Canada by Christmas. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>